It's two o'clock in the morning. Okay, some people don't need an introduction because they're so famous. Some people don't need an introduction because they tell you loud and clear they don't want an introduction. And some people don't need an introduction simply because, um, as you can see, Rabbi Taub um, has all three reasons. So without further ado, Rabbi Moshe Taub. How long did you work on that introduction, Rabbi Yaakov? Um, thank you. It, it's, it's, always, it's always a great covenant to speak to um, the Kailo, the Mishmar in St. Louis. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say tonight. Uh, to talk about Naya. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say a story just to, to open up. I don't know how long we have, but I don't know about you, but I got so many texts. Some Shiach because Hamas is right in the beginning of the parsha. The Scholar Rebbe's um, to show you. I think it's Perak Ramad Bey's Pasuk Achavdalid and Hazinu. The Scholar Rebbe's son was in my office last night. He showed me that the 5,784th Pasuk in the Torah, there's a Messiah that represents the year, also mentions Hamas. And um, so I'll tell you a story. Um, Rabbi Yaakov Berkowitz's great grandfather, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. Um, I, I love the story, so you know I don't remember what I've shared in the past, but it's good to hear it again. When he escaped uh, Russia in the in World War II, he arrived in Seattle and eventually came to Toronto. And a long story short, I read the following story. And when I first got married, Rabbi Yaakov Zaydin of Shmuelzov was inside used to come to visit uh, Rabbi Chin in Toronto. Rabbi Chin's father was the Rabbi McKeesport, Pennsylvania. So he was called the Rabbi Tzin. He was called Rabbi Tzin Tzin. In any event, so Shmuel used to come to the sukkah, and we used to go to say shalom to, uh, to uh, Shmuel. And I asked him, Shmuel, is the story true? He said, is the story true? He said, I was the boy in the story. So here's the story very quickly. So Shmuel used to go to Shul, of course, every, excuse me, Rabbi Yaakov would go to Shul every Shabbos in, on Bloor Street in Toronto, Bloor Avenue. And he would pass by Davidol, who was no longer from, and he owned the Shmata business. And he was open on Shabbos. And Rabbi Yaakov would poke his head into the store and say, good Shabbos, Rabbi Davidol. And Rabbi Davidol would say, good Shabbos, Rabbi, and go back to the cash register week after week, year after year. One, week, one Shabbos, one week, Rabbi Yaakov was walking to Shul and he sees the doors closed. Uh, to the store and he figures you know he must be on vacation or he's sick in those days they didn't really go on vacation in any event he gets to shul or Yaakov does and he sees her, that this Davidol is sitting in shul from Nasser Yishayinim so he goes over to him and says you see uh, I come and I say good job this has an influence on you so, so Davidol says Rav it means so much that you say good job but that's not why I'm here it's not no why are you here don't you know know what there's a, a Mekubal, a mystic in Jerusalem who said Mashiach's coming this Tuesday. This is in 1938. So Rabbi Yaakov responded, I would say purported, but now I, I have Edith from Shmuel. Rabbi Yaakov responded, he said, Mashiach may come tonight, may come tomorrow, may Taka come on Tuesday. Mashiach may come in a week, in a year, in 20 years. One thing, though, I can tell you for certain, no matter when Mashiach comes, this Mekubal, this mystic, has no clue what he's talking about. And he said, really? 100%. He says, okay, thank you, Rob. And David takes off his talus, leaves shul, opens his business, back in business on shops. 
So um, Shmuel, in the story I read about Abbas, but now I know Shmuel went over to his father and said, Tati, what are you doing? He was finally here in Shul. So he said, you know, when a Jew has a taiva, has a yitzahara, has an inclination, they have to make money. So they open their store on Shabbos. They convince themselves it's okay. There's always a chance for them to come back. But if if we cause them to put their eggs in one basket from the 13 principles of faith, that Mashiach is certainly going to come. And that's why he's keeping Shabbos. And then it doesn't happen. There's never a chance for them to come back. So, you know, do we hope that these are signs? Sure, we hope, we hope. Be very careful. We have to be very careful with our children, how we repeat these things. So that's number one. Number two, I was, I was thinking today, when I was a young boy, I hope I, I don't know if this is a base medrash or a base aknesis, you'll excuse me if I say some non-Jewish names. When I was a young boy, there were two athletes that were idealized. Uh, one was Bo Jackson. If anybody knows who that is. I actually got to meet Bo Jackson. It's, this is not the time for, the, for that story. And the other, I'm, I'm not going to say his name. He was a boxer and he was formidable. One thing I'll say, we share initials. That I'll say. And if you got into a ring with this individual, eh, you're you're dead. You're dead. And he was young. He grew up in the cat. He grew up in um, uh, Bedsty, and then he went to the Catskills, and he was trained in the Catskills. It's really an amazing. His life story is quite amazing. And um, people would complain that there was no parity. People that he were fight was fighting ah, it wasn't really a sign of strength. He really needs to fight, you know, Vander Holyfield, these these uh, much stronger men. So Kachava, they arranged such a fight, and it was big news. And I think it was uh, Larry King interviewed him, and he said, um, again, I'm not going to say the boxer's name, even though I said everybody else's name. He said, aren't you afraid? He said, no, I'm not afraid. Yeah, this is the first person at this parody. He, he's, talk, he's strong. He's nah, not But he's training. He's training. We see his training videos. He looks pretty strong. Not afraid. But he has a plan. He's been watching your fights, and he he has this plan, this strategy. He knows exactly how you fight. He's training. He's training. He looks strong. He has a plan. And the boxer said one of the the most powerful lines. He said, "Everyone has a plan until they're punched in the face." And over the past two weeks, uh, we've been punched in the face. We had a plan. Are we going to drink, not drink? Are we going to do all seven hakafas? Is my kid going to get on my shoulder? <laughs> like, what were our daigas? What were our worries? You know, it's like uh, before COVID, you know. We had a plan to go to shul, to go to school, to go to yeshiva. Everybody has a plan. Until they're punched in the face. That's what I was, I've been thinking about that, that quote to Larry King for the past week and a half. So I haven't even said it in shul. I'm just telling it to you for the first time. They're my guinea pigs. I'm testing things. I'm testing material. And um, so, you know, there's a lot to talk about Nayak. We don't really have that much time. I already used up some. So I'll, I'll tell you a few things. First of all, I'll tell you a story. And this is really what came to mind even on Simchas Taira, especially after Simchas Taira. You see the news in Western countries, in Toronto and in London and in New York. I don't know about St. Louis, but protests in the street for Hamas. It was just it's frightening. That never happened before. Never happened. Not after such a blatant and clear, after the Munich Olympics, nothing like this ever happened. And the story came to mind that I heard this from, again, the person who, who witnessed it. 
he was in, uh, I don't know if he wants me to say his name, but uh, he's now retired, but a very respected mashkiach. He was learning in Tarabadas in the 1950s, and the MTA, you know, mass uh, public transportation in New York had just got off the ground. So he gets out of second say there, the afternoon session, and he gets on a bus. He's in high school to go home from Tarabadas. And if you've ever been on a, 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 a bus or a subway during rush hour, you can't move. You can't even get on. And uh, he had every every type of American, Hispanic, every type of black, Jewish, white, old, young, business people, college people, yeshiva bakram, public school students. And you couldn't move. They get to the first stop. I'll say the story quickly because I actually wrote about it in Amin's. Maybe you read it already. It's not a known story. But anyway, they get to the first stop and Ruben Grzovsky, their shashiva, gets on the bus. And this bus that was so packed, all of a sudden was like um, Yom Kippur. In the Beis Hamikdash, there was magically room, and it was like Kriyas Yamsuf. Everybody split, and the Gayim asked him for a bracha. Uh, and finally, he sits. They give him the seat. When they finally get off the bus, the Bacharim, and this Bacharim in particular, says, "Or Shashiva, isn't this an amazing country?" He says, "Yes, it's a great country, a Medina Shel Chesed, a country founded upon righteousness and, and kindness and freedom, etc." And the Bachar, who is now again a retired Mashkiach, says, that's not what I meant, Rosh Hashiva. I meant, sorry, my phone is ringing. I meant, where else do you see such Kavanah Torah? That a rabbi, and it wasn't so elderly, but to them, an elderly rabbi, European rabbi, gets on the bus and they show such respect. And Reb Ruvain <laughs> responded by laughing. And Reb Ruvain said, I'm laughing because and Reb Ruvain was the son-in-law of Reb Baruch Ber. Reb Ruvain has been around the block. Ruben said, do you think before the rise of Hitler it was any different in Germany? Rib Gifter used to often say that when you know he was raised in Portsmouth, Virginia, and then Baltimore, and then YU, from there he took a boat to Lithuania to learn and tells. And he would say that after the first Seder, after the morning session, he would go out after lunch, go for a walk with his Chavrusa, and the poor Lithuanian Gentile farmers would plead with him, could you walk in our field? Because you holy boys speaking holy words make our produce grow better. I, I shudder to think what that poor Lithuanian Gentile farmer was doing seven years later. I'm not saying this to scare you. It's going to be fine. And, uh, you know, the Quinni, I'm sure you all saw CNN's poll and uh, uh, Quinnipiac's poll. 80% of America support Israel's response. But we have to remember that we're in Gullus. You know, it's, it is a reminder. There's a fragility. There's a fragility. You read stories of Tachvetat and the pogroms and and v'chulei v'chulei, and it's not a fairy tale. Right? Now we're a part of it. Um, the very first Rashi in Chumash famously says, Amr Yitzchak, people say that he's quoting his father. It's not true. We, we now know this. it's a medrash that he's quoting. It's a Yalkut. Um, it's Tanchuma. Rabbi Yitzchak was not his father. He had a father, Rabbi Yitzchak, but that was not who he was quoting. Who says, you know, why are we starting the Torah with Bereshis and Avram and Yitzchak and Yosef? Like, well, just, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an instruction manual for life. You know, you go to Ikea Labdil and you buy a couch, it comes with an instruction manual. It doesn't tell you uh, this couch was thought of by this guy and built by, well, 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 just give me the instruction. Start with the first mitzvah. It's a very famous Rashi and a very famous question. So Rashi says, Rabbi Yitzchak answers his own question, that when the nations of the world say that you stole Eretz Yisrael, 
that we say, we stole, Hashem created the world. Haven't you read the Torah? It says, Bereshit Barlikin. He could give it to whoever he wants. He gave it to Canaan, and then he gave it to the Jews. Now, <laughs> it's such a strange Rashi. You know, Golda Meir is sitting with Henry Kissinger. Does she pull out this Rashi? Oh, Henry Kissinger says, oh, I didn't even think of it. Let me go tell Sadat. Let me go tell uh, uh, Iraq. <laughs> what is this? Let's go to Lebanon and tell them. If only we could tell Lebanon this Rashi. Who's Rashi? And Rashi wasn't naive. Rashi's Rebbe was killed in a pogrom. 12,000 people in, among his Talmidim in Troyes, France, were destroyed in the people's uh, crusades. It wasn't naive. And Rashi was like a kid in a candy store. He could choose from thousands, thousands of Medrashim. This is the Medrash that, forget why Hashem started with Parashas. This is the, the Medrash that Rashi started with. You know, keep in mind, Rashi on Chumash is very different than Rashi on Gemara. Rashi on the Talmud on the Gemara is his own interpretation. Rashi on Chumash barely, if ever, says his own interpretation. Rashi on Chumash is a curator of Midrashic and Agadic material. And Targumim from, from contemporaneous sources. But that's basically it. So he chose this. So I don't remember, years ago, I saw this, that Rashi wasn't speaking to the Gaim, he was speaking to us. That we have to fight for Eretz Yisrael, of course, of course. And as the Gedolim told us, as Luvin, tell every soldier who dies protecting us as a Kaddish, without question. And it's all true. It's all true that we didn't steal the land. It's all true that uh, we gave back Gaza. And we, that we should all, we should tell our neighbors that. But what, what do we tell ourselves? Amr Baruch who created the world. This is Ratzon Hakadosh Baruch Hu. We have to always make that distinction in our mind. I'll tell you something else just coming to mind about the beginning of the Torah. The Yedaber Hashem Amayshe Lemar, Bereshis Barelikim Es Hashemayim Vesar. Hashem said to Moses, saying, "In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth." Now, the Torah doesn't start that way. It should start that way, because the Torah we have came from Har Sinai. This is not my question. The Rambam, Nachmanides, asks in his introduction to the Torah, shouldn't the first Pasuk be, Vayidaber Hashem al-Moshe Lemor, like every other parsha? Why does it start in a vacuum? And you can look at the Ramban, and you can come up with your own reading of it. The way I read it is, Bishvili, Bishvili Nivra Oilo. The world was created for me and for you and everybody here. That when you open the Torah, it's not about Moshe, it's not about Har. There's no other person. You read the Ramban, he alludes to this, that if Meisha is mentioned, takes us out of it, you'll see his own language. But what I take from that is when we open the Torah, it has to be personal. It's, it's written just for you. Hashem, as Chazal say, Hashem created the world for you. So when, when such a, a, a tragedy strikes and we're in such a vulnerable time um, and we think we could do nothing, that's not true. It's not, we, we have soldiers and we need soldiers, but at the end of the day, this is all about Ratzon Hashem. And we have to do our part, whatever that part is. Everybody in the room, and myself included, knows exactly what they need to do. You don't need a Navi to tell you. You don't need a Rosh to tell you. You know exactly what you need to work on. Let's not play any games. Whatever that is, you know what that is. You know what that is. I want to say something else. I'm sorry. Well, excuse me. I just have to get this off my chest. So many people in my shul came over to me and they said, you know what this is about? This is about Sinas Chima. Sinas Chima. Sinas Chima. I have a, a sneaking suspicion that Sinas Chinam is a narcissistic movement. More people have to accept me. It's not me accepting somebody else. No, they have to accept me. 
The Gemara says that the greatest generation was a chizki. I forget the it's Gemara and Sanhedrin. Forget the generation. It says it was a generation that six people could share one talus. So if Eli Lapian says, what are you talking about? That's impossible. He says it's, it is possible because everybody takes for themselves. There's never going to be room. But if everybody pushes to the other, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. So we have to do, if you want to worry about sinas chinam, first of all, you're not on the Moetzes. You're not going to fix Mizrahi versus Datilu Mi versus Haredi versus Shmuel Arbach's Talmidim and Rabchan Kenyevsi's Talmidim and, and uh, you know, Nachal Haredi in the army. You're not going to resolve that. So that's not what we're talking about. You want to work on Sinas Chinam? Somebody over Yom Tif annoyed you. It's so funny. I was telling someone the other day, there are so many fights among families. Who's coming to you the first day? Second day, they should have come. My you're yet so insulted. And then from now, it's, an, it's a leap year. For the next six months, you're not going to talk to any of these people. Well, if, 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 they, if you care about them so much, and you care about who's going where, have a relationship with them now. In shuls, in, in schools, rebeim, principals, rabbanim who didn't return calls. That's the sinas chino. The Yitzhahara is so tricky. So tricky. Just... Can we deal with what we deal with? And I, I want to say something else. I really want to talk about the parish a little bit. I'm already going over time. I want to tell you something else. As I said, I don't want to, I'm not getting political with uh, the army and we need defenders, but I want to tell you something. Somebody sent me from Usher Weiss that during the Six-Day War, when he just moved from America to Eretz Yisrael, how scary it was. And they all thought the country might not make it. And it was a beautiful chizuk. And he talked about Rebecheskel Abramsky. And he said over a vart, but I, I, I'm not Khalil, I'm saying there's more to the Vart, and I actually I really want to want to email his Gaboy to tell him, I'll tell you. So he quoted Rebecheskel Abramsky said, He just said it this morning, finally, for those shuls that weren't saying it until now, the first time since, I don't know, almost Tishabot, that we're able to say Tachnu. What's that line? Yerusha Reisman says, there are certain joys that Jews will never have, and there are certain joys that a guy will never have. A non-Jew will never have the joy, never understand what it means not to have to say tachnon on a Monday or a Thursday. Uh, but it's not a joy. It's a beautiful thing to say tachnon. Maybe look at the words, especially now. It's, it's Ke'ilu was written for us. You know why? Because it was written for us. You know the history. It was written for all the Golises, for Svar, the Ashkenaz, uh, Adei Mizrach, but that's a story for a different time. So, I mean, you read it, the Nachshamdu Ketzayin, they treat us like cattle, the Tevach Yuval, taking us to the slaughter. Those four words of destruction mean different things, but for, for lack of time. And even though we don't know why you're doing this, we've never forgotten you, Hashem. No, don't forget us. And Rebchazko Abramsky said that Klal Yisrael is so ba'achdus, will for sure be saved. That the non-from, the from, I, I don't know if you saw, there's so many videos going around uh, that a guy showed up at an army base with food from a local kibbutz for 300 soldiers. So the the, the, the general says, I have to get the rabbi because we can't serve stamp food. The general's not from, but that's the rule. So the rabbi who did the video comes out and he, and he meets the guy and the guy says, I've only met a rabbi twice in my life. A Jew, a Jew in Eretz Yisrael. I don't think people know Non-from people in America know a lot more than uh, non-from Jew from Haifa. They don't know who Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov are. Anyway, so the, he says to the rabbi, I've only spoken to a rabbi twice in my life. Now, you, you're the second rabbi I ever spoke to. And the first time I ever spoke to a rabbi was two days ago. 
I called up a Rav and I said, I want to make food for the soldiers, but I want to make sure they could eat it, come to my house and capture my house. Unbelievable. So this is the second part of Rabbi Cheskel Abramsky. Listen to what he says. I heard this this week from Rosh Hashiva. And I haven't confirmed it, although I, 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 I trust him. It's still a beautiful bar. At the end of Tachnum, what do we say? Shaymer Yisrael, the guardian of Bnei Yisrael. I'll start at the end. Like everybody here, there are people who daven three times a day. In fact, in Shachars alone, we say Kedusha three times. We say by Shema, we say in Shema Esra, and we say uh, at the end of davening, which is, by the way, the most important one. I'll tell you quickly, just to lighten the mood. Uh, Rashiva Mai once told me, I used to work, I spent a year in prison. I spent a year in prison as a chaplain. I always like to do that as a chaplain. Um, but uh, so he, so I know a lot about prisons. But he used to visit a friend. Nebuch, you know, there are certain prisons that have like three daf yaimi, it's six minyanim. Nebuch. In any event, he was visiting a friend in one of these prisons, and he was there for shachras. And at the end of the evening, by Asher Valetzin, there was a guy in the back taking off his towel, filling a prisoner. She says to him, I understand, you know, me, I'm taking out my thousand filling early. But you, where are you going? You have nowhere to go. So, well, let's see. And the Gemara site this says it's one of the two tefillas that keep us alive in Gaulish, just by the way. Anyway, so for, for us, in the audience, Hashem should save Klaus. Then there are people, there are those who have, a, they don't do a lot, but they have a sophisticated understanding. They know what Yuchar Hashem is, right? They know the meaning of these terms. Although, you know, maybe the average conservative Jew, you can think of other examples, uh, uh, who have a little bit more sophistication. And then, Shem Yisrael, Shmar Yisrael, Ha'imrim Shema Yisrael. There are certain Jews that all they know how to say is Shema Yisrael. I don't know if you've ever listened to the tapes from the Yom Kippur War of of tanks being burnt and Yidden being burnt alive, being burnt alive, and the screams of Shema Yisrael, Adinoi, Eleheinu, Adinoi, Echod. And uh, this is not to say that they're right, we're right, I'm not uh, such a progressive person. But Lo Zuhazman, someone sent me a text about Satner that. Uh, they sent out a thing about a Yem Tefillah, and someone said, but are they going to... Uh, oh, now they support Israel. So I said, I said to this guy, big Mizrahi in Eretz Yisrael, so I said to him, you know, what do you want them to do? So he said, why doesn't the Rebbe visit the Menachem Oval, one of the victims? I said, it's Allah and Shulchan Aruch. You're not allowed to be Menachem Oval to visit a mourner if you're not liked. So it's Allah. Pure Allah. But I really got upset at him. This is not the time. This is not the time. Again, the Yitzhara is so sneaky. Okay, so now, I'm sorry, I took a long time. I had to get a few things off my chest. So let's think of something positive. Okay, I have something positive. But the parish, I'll end with this. As I always tell you, I could speak because I'm not speaking to anybody. I'm in my office alone. I don't even know if you're really there. I'm just talking. So I'll tell you one last thing. Nayach, he leaves the table. I think this will put everything together. So many things that Pasha Sinaich I want to share, but okay, we'll stick with this. So Sinaich leaves the table and he was limping. We all know the measures. Why was he limping? Does anybody remember why Sinaich was limping? I can't hear you. You're, shaking, you're nodding your head, so I'll believe you, I'll just say. He was limping because he uh, he was late in feeding the lion. The lion bit him. 
So the Gemara, the Talmud tells us there were three, I mean, it's a lot deeper than this. There were three floors to the Teva, refuse on the bottom floor, the animals, and then human beings on top. And the Gemara also tells us that the lion is the king of the jungle. It's not just a, not a secular concept. Now, <laughs> let me ask you a question. If you're Noah and you're running late, maybe feed, I don't know, the pigeon, the rat, if you're going to feed somebody late, why in the world would you choose the lion? Ah, the lion will feed late. Hey, it's the sugar. That's the, that's the animal you choose to feed late? Good question. Shot is, maybe, that the Gemara is right. The lion is the king of the jungle. They were shutfin. Nayach took care of the humans. Couldn't be downstairs all the time. The lion took care of the animals. And who do we take advantage of? if not those we're closest to. How many people in the audience, myself included, a new person comes to shul, you find out they don't like you. You're not going to sleep for weeks until you figure out why. Your spouse is upset at you. Someone closer in your life is upset at you. Yeah. Ah, big deal. It's the strangest evil inclination we have. I was telling my shul that I want to review, start reviewing Hilcha Shabbos. They said, why? I said, because Shabbos is our buddy. Shabbos is our best friend. It's there week after week. There's no Shabbos. Hagadol Drasha for it. There's no Shabbos Shuvah. It's holier than every day except for Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur is only holier because it's called Shabbos Shabbos. We take it for granted. We take our communities for granted. We take our Rabbanim for granted. We take our Rebbeim for granted. And we, take, we take our families for granted. We take our wives for granted. This is what we have to work on. Don't worry about the big picture. I, 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 I'll end with this. Chaim Vital said that when a person comes to Shemayim, Hashem is going to ask you. The Gemara says, "Were you involved in, in kindness?" You're going to say, "Was I involved in?" Do you know who you're talking to? And you're going to start saying, "You know, the parlor meetings you hosted." Hashem is going to say, eh, "One second." You're going to say, "One second." You're going to take out your files of. It's a duck because you're going to have tax receipts, right? You're going to, before you die, your accountant's going to give you all your write-offs and the yeshivas and the kailalim and the coffee you used to bring so that when people came to Dafyami, they had coffee in the morning. And Hashem's going to say, Sha, how did you treat your wife? So that result, that result, Chaim Vital writes this. How do you treat your parents, your siblings, your neighbor, your rub, the person that sits next to you in shul, but most importantly, your family? We can't we we can't we can't let the Yitzhara win. You're not going to resolve the issues of Klal Yisrael. Maybe you could work on the issues of yourself. So Mirzashem, Kom Levasir, Mavasir Vaimir, like we said in Aishana Rabba, we should hear Basura's Taivas, we should hear, we will hear amazing victories. We cannot try to change the world. We are in Gullis. We should remember that. We should also remember that Shikha. The greatest gift Hashem gave us is the power to forget. The Talmud says that if we didn't have the power to forget, no woman who ever went through childbirth would ever want to have a baby again. It's the strangest thing. You lose an arm, you don't have it grow back. People suffer tremendous tragedies and they're able to move on. They forget. That's a gift. So if you have a moment of levity while there are hostages, you don't have to feel guilty. That's a gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You can't live like that. You have to, you have to be normal, of course. And in a moment of sadness, Chaim Shmulevit says, sadness, you could throw off the yoke of everything. In a moment of desperation, you'll do any aver. You have to channel it. Remember that you're in Golos. Remember that you're a part of Tach Vatat. And uh, we hope that Mashiach should come. We don't know when, but we certainly hope. And with you sitting late at night, 
you sitting late at night learning Torah, that's certainly a, a, a big schus. But I'll be a hypocrite if I don't say, I think now it's time to go home to your wives. Have a good Shabbos, everybody. Uh...